Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome once again to Strange Planet. On this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into the Antichrist system. How it operates, where it operates, where it's all heading. We'll discuss Hollywood mind control, satanic ritual abuse, witchcraft, and programmed multiples in, in the entertainment business. David Brent Hevener is an American singer, songwriter, director, actor, composer, producer, and writer. And uh, his brand new one is End Times Investigations. David, welcome to the program. How are you? <laughs> Thanks, Richard. 
you know, with that great introduction of me doing so many things, I think I'm a program multiple. Uh, <laughs> you must be. You must. I think, I, I think I've got multiple personalities there. Um, it's great to be with you and in, in, in your uh, in your audience. Uh, thank you for having me on. Let's start off with the definition. What do you mean by antichrist system? Well, um, and, and Jesus talked about this in the Bible. Uh, in these last days, which, um, uh, which we believe that we're in, um, there is uh, a, two systems in play. There's, there's the Christ system, the God system, and then there's the anti-God system. The anti-Christ system is headed by uh, Lucifer, uh, the devil, Satan, what have you. Now, the anti-Christ system today I believe, operates uh, within um, the government, within the financial system, within the entertainment system. I call it the satanic pyramid. It operates within the culture. So, so this system uh, has various legs, uh, if you will, uh, to it to get across its agenda. Now, you started off in, in, mental health, uh, in mental health, right, as a mental health professional. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, that's in my book, um, and I, I don't talk about it a lot, but I'm happy to talk about it right now. Um, I, I was raised uh, in, in a very strange atmosphere. I saw angels, I saw demons when I was a little boy—five, six, seven, eight years old. I apparitions. I, I was actually saved by uh, a couple of angels in a, in a car wreck from being um, obliterated by a semi. Uh, I saw demons uh, in my closet. And so this caused me to seek out um, the supernatural, because as a little boy, you don't understand what all this is. And so when I hit um, 16, 17, 18, 19, I was very interested in psychology and the way the human mind operates to find out, well, is this uh, real? Is it spiritual? Or is it our imagination? Or is it a chemical imbalance? What is it? So that got me into uh, psychology. Psychology got me into, uh, uh, into social work. And within social work, I went to work at Central State Hospital, uh, working with, in behavior modification with children on what we call the forensic ward, which is a ward where they put children that can't function within even a mental institution, uh, sometimes not even within... Um, a detention center. So we had kind of the uh, the cream of the crop when it came to children that had a lot of issues. And uh, I mean, at that point, did you were you able to draw any conclusions? I mean, for example, what what percentage of well, that's a that's a very speculative question. But is there um, sort of a non prosaic or maybe a supernatural explanation for? some of these mental health issues that, that young people that you were witnessing with young people. Yeah, I have to tell you, it was mostly spiritual. When I say spiritual, I don't want anybody to go thinking that I'm running off to a church. I'm talking spiritual. I'm talking the supernatural. I'm talking. It wasn't natural. Okay. Um, I actually had one uh, gal that I talk about in my book. She was uh, 14 years old. Billy Joe, and uh, she um, she had a lot of issues. She was uh, molested uh, by her stepbrothers. Uh, probably went deeper than that, but I couldn't get any more information than that. 
Well, one night I got a call. It was about two o'clock in the morning uh, to come down to uh, the unit that they had a problem with. Uh, it was with Bobby. And uh, seriously, I mean, I'm telling you the truth. I walked. They had cleaned the, the the ward out because in the room they had about six or seven other kids sleeping. They'd cleaned all the kids out. They'd taken them out of, out of this this dormitory. I walked into the dormitory. And the temperature dropped at least 20 degrees, okay? And I looked, and it was during the summertime. I looked at the orderly. I said, do you have the air on? He goes, no, we don't have air conditioning. I go, yeah, that's right, air conditioning, of course. I said, it's freezing in here. He goes, I know it is. He said, it's very strange. Well, I went over to Bobby, and I actually saw, we, we saw Bobby levitate off the bed. I mean, actually lift off the bed. And this was not a exorcist, you know, uh, where I derived it from the exorcist. As a matter of fact, I think the exorcist came out in the seventies. It may have been out around this time, but I didn't know about the movie at this time. So I had, I wasn't relating it to that. And I go on to tell in the book about shock therapy. I used to give shock therapy and where the glands would swell up and I give it, we would ish, give it to some of these, they, they couldn't be under 18, had to be over 18, some of the patients. And I remember when I saw the movie, The Exorcist, after all of this, I said, wait a minute, this William Peter Blatty, he must have had something to do with mental health because the levitation, the swelling of the, you know, in The Exorcist, Linda Blair's throat swelled, the glands. It was just very strange, Richard. Wow. Yeah. Uh now, speaking of, um, you mentioned uh, abuse. <clears throat> you had a 12-year-old cousin uh, that was tortured and murdered um, some 30 years ago. Can we, um, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Shonda, Shonda, uh, Shonda Cher, uh, she was my cousin. Uh, I had seen her three weeks before. She was at my wedding, a little 12-year-old beautiful little girl, big brown eyes, never, never forget it. And, uh, I got a call uh, one morning that, um, she'd been murdered and, uh, and it's in, in my book. I, I, I researched it, investigated it. And, uh, I think the title in the book is Shonda Shear was not murdered. Well, she wasn't, she was sacrificed. Um, she was taken out by, uh, it was four other young girls, uh, under the age of 18 years old, they beat her, they set her on fire, they burned her. They took her to certain locations that were actually locations used in satanic ritual abuse. Um, and just the things that they did and the way they did it, whether they knew what they were doing, I don't know, I doubt it, but they were moved by a force bigger than you and I, a dark force on uh, sacrificing Sh Shonda. And it, like I said, it's in the book and I detail it out, but the, yeah, it was a sad event. Oh dear. Um, you know, we're told when we bring this up that this is child sacrifice and so forth. Oh, this is, uh, you're, uh, a, a QAnon conspiracy theorist and so forth. <clears throat> and yet I don't think a month goes by when we don't hear about a major bust from some state police service, uh, breaking up a child sex ring or some sort of a, ch you know, uh, human child, human trafficking ring. Um, there's never been more protective child service organizations 
I, I don't think ever, and yet this seems to be almost a, a pandemic. The uh, the amount of children that are being abducted and sexually abused and trafficked. What's going on? Well, <clears throat> probably the two most dangerous things I've ever gotten myself into um, in the world of what I do now, which is uh, investigating, um, is when... <laughs> Is, well, let me start with the most dangerous thing. <clears throat> the most dangerous thing was human trafficking. When I went to Atlanta, Georgia and started researching the human trafficking organization there, I went to Central America. I found a country that where the human trafficking, trafficking was the, the most prevalent. And then I found out it went from there to Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia is a hub or was a hub up until several years ago. I think it probably still is. But I started asking questions and I went to different human trafficking organizations, which was, by the way, was located in one specific area of Atlanta. It was uh, East Atlanta, East Cobb, actually, East Cobb County. And I was met with ice cold showers. Um, I was met with not welcome, Matt, but what is it you're trying to find out? What is it you want? What is, and, and I'm not saying at all, Richard, as a blanket statement that this is all every human tra anti-human trafficking organization out there. But I'm going to tell you, I encountered what I believe anti-trafficking, human trafficking organizations that were just fronts for human trafficking. Um, it was very strange. So what I'm saying is it's a big business. Um, and you're going to see more child protective services out there, but I don't know that they're really protecting. And I don't, and, and it could be some of them uh, uh, are, you know, controlled by a, and I call it, um, I call it the, the, um, the puppeteer, which we might get into a little bit later, which goes back to this antichrist system. But they're controlled. They're controlled. They're they're told not to do certain things or to do certain things, because it's a big business, and children are bought and sold every day. And um, it's uh, a delicate um, topic, obviously. But to what extent are these human trafficking rings and child sex rings um, funneling these children into satanic uh, rituals? That's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> we know that in satanic rituals, we call them SRA, there's two types. There's the corporate, which is usually ran by a coven. A coven is usually a, a group of 13, um, or it could be an individual or several people. This is not corporate. They have a different agenda. But let's start with the corporate agenda, which is the covens. They do this uh, child sacrifice um, <clears throat> Uh, to 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 feed their gods, um, to to honor their gods. Okay, um, and and they it requires blood and it requires innocent blood and it requires blood of the youth. So so there's a huge demand for children uh, for this particular purpose. So you can imagine the kind of money that exchanges hands when this kind of thing happens. Now, the other type of SRA can be an individual doing it to another individual. It could be several people. This is usually done not to, not to feed their God, not to uh, do anything that 
uh, has any agenda other than it was done to them, they're addicted, they're doing it uh, to, to another child. Going back to the corporate structure, which is um, the uh, covens, the other purpose they have is to create what we call program multiples, which we mentioned at the beginning of the show. This is to take and split children into multiple personalities with one personality that has a specific agenda, okay? Now, I believe that when children are broke into program multiples, there are certain children that are programmed to go out and get involved in human trafficking to find other children. Think about it. If you can program enough kids to go out and get kids, of course, the kid grows up, right? They're an adult. Um, now you've got a whole bunch of program multiples out there recruiting other children. Wow. Fracturing their psyche. This was developed by the Nazis, and a lot of these scientists were brought into the United States through Operation Paperclip, and MK Ultra, of course, is an offshoot of that. Uh, you fracture their psyche, and then you compartmentalize the brain through ritualistic abuse and torture and drugs, and you can turn these damaged people into uh, mules, assassins, and they may appear perfectly normal during one part of their life, and then they have, they have this secret other life that nobody knows about. They don't even know about it necessarily. Right. Yeah, that, that's true. And to be a little more specific, because I got a lot of people ask me, David, how did it get over here? You know, how did it, how, why is it so prevalent? Well, in, in, in Germany, Nazi Germany, after the war, these criminals had to go somewhere. Uh, they were shipped off, and I'm going to give you the Johnny Thunder tour uh, version. They were shipped off uh, to, through the Vatican uh, by way of what we call the, the Red Cross passport. Uh, the, Red, it was, the Red Cross was a front for this. They moved them into Italy. Then they moved them down to uh, South America. From South America, they brought them into the United States. And this, by the time they ended up in the United States, we're talking the late 40s, early 50s. A lot of them ended up at state hospitals, mental state hospitals. I talk about this in the book. Most mental hospitals that were run by the government, by the state, also had cemeteries. The, the hospital I worked at, Central State Hospital, had a huge cemetery. This cemetery had very few headstones. In other words, people would come in, they would just disappear, and they'd be buried in the cemetery. Okay. I investigated this. I researched this. I'm under the belief that there was experiments going on across the country during this time in these mental facilities um, on patients that usually probably were wards of the state. They didn't have any family. It was safe to experiment with them. That way, something happened and they were done. They got buried. Nobody's going to ask questions. <clears throat> Richard, it was all over the country. It happened at the hospital that I worked at. Now, I'm not saying they experimented on them there. I don't know what they did, but I can tell you the patients would just end up out in the cemetery with no headstones. Wow. Um, it's reported that a lot of that went on, on in um, Montauk on, on Long Island. Uh, um, are you familiar with the situation in Montauk? I think they called them the Lost Boys. Kids would just disappear off the street and they would end up 
at this uh, facility? Yeah. Well, I think that that was probably a derivative of what we're talking about. They had to somehow get them over here and get them into the system. And through this, and what better way to do it than a state hospital, right? Um, what better way to do it with patients that didn't have families? And, you know, because in mental health, it's not like, it's not like, a, 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 it's not like a, a medical hospital where you're treating someone's um, a broken leg or, uh, you know, even someone that's in there for, for cancer or whatever. It's, it's not like that. When you're dealing with mental health, back then you had such a such a great license to play with certain things you could do things you couldn't get away with in a quote you know medical facility so I, this is why i believe they they started out with the mental institutions first david heavener is the author of end times investigations we'll take a quick time out come back and uh delve a little further stay with us Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. The truth will set you free. 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 But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. End Times Investigations with David Hevener. Hollywood. Um... I mean, you were involved. You were uh, you were involved in in so many different aspects of Hollywood: directing, acting, producing, writing, composing. At what point did you come to grips with the fact that Hollywood is like the uh, I don't know, sort of the epicenter of these mind control programs, and I guess sort of a an essential element in the Antichrist system? 
Was there an aha moment for you? No, not really, because when I got there, I knew it. The problem is I was, I was, I was, I was sleeping with the enemy. That, that was my problem. Uh, I was a Christian, but I was sleeping with the enemy, meaning I was given in to the system. I knew what I was doing. You know, I did movies for HBO. They tell me exactly what they wanted in the movies. They, I knew the, the agenda inside and out. Um, so, I uh, know, Richard, I knew what that was all about. I was involved in channeling. I was involved, you know, feeding the dead and, and all that. I say involved in it. I was around it. Um, I never really, I want to say participated, but I was certainly there. Uh, I watched. I witnessed. Um, but I think the question is, at what point was I willing to stand up and go, wait a minute, I ain't sleeping with the enemy anymore. I'm standing for what I believe in. Um, and that happened one night. Uh, I thought I had died. I think I actually did. I fell on the floor. I passed out. And when I woke up, I mean, I, I was, I, I was a different person. Because I used to have my 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 movie making David that would go to Hollywood, you know, Monday through Saturday, and then my church going David that go to church on Sunday. But when I but when I rose up this time, they melted together. I came as one. So when I go into Hollywood, I took God with me. When I went to church, I took Hollywood with me. But I wasn't a religious guy, Richard. I was just a guy that stood on my principles, right? And. Uh, uh, so that led me to, and I'm going to jump a little bit here before I forget it. That led me to the series, The Last Evangelist. Um, uh, and I play a cop where I, I chase down the Antichrist. Uh, I, so I call it CSI meets the book of Revelation. And if anybody's interested, they go to lastevangelist.com. But anyway, G God said to me, he said, look, whose side are you on? You got to take a side. You're not going to straddle the fence. You can have one leg on on the shore and one leg on the ship because this ship is 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 sailing, baby. And so I had to make a decision. I mean, it's not a religious thing; it's a spiritual thing, and it's a decision that we, that we all have to make one day. Is it anything like the mob where you can never really quit? I mean, when when you made that decision and you had seen things, you had witnessed things. Are you now essentially like a marked man? No, because Hollywood is only interested in money. Um, they would sell their mother for a nickel. If they can't make money on you anymore, they'll just try to discredit you and move on. Now, there is a part, uh, I'm actually a part of Hollywood. Let me back up. There is a puppeteer I talked about earlier, mm. uh, the dark side, the Luciferian agenda. That's all over the world, but it uses Hollywood um, to promote uh, its mind control, to promote its agenda. I talk about Hollywood mind control in my book. That part marks you. That part comes after you. That part, you're a target. You have to be careful. That's a demonic. Now we're talking, now we're talking what in your world maybe, or the listeners could be paranormal, it's supernatural, basically. It's, it's, it's the good versus evil. That's what I've been dealing with for the past six years since I made that decision. So, I mean, how then has it, well, tell, take us into a little bit of that spiritual warfare that you're engaged in. How does it manifest? Well, it manifests because this Luciferian system 
is filled with witches, warlocks, um, uh, um, covens that are literally uh, casting spells. They're literally uh, out. You become a target. You become marked. And they're literally out to get you. Okay. The past six years, I've had so many major supernatural things happen for the good, but then I've had so many major supernatural things happen for the bad. I've never had any issues with my health up until, uh, and, and I've got things happening now to my body that are unexplainable. I go to a doctor and I go, I've never seen that before. What, what is that all about? You know, um, <clears throat> this is clearly um, demonic warfare. And this is why I've got to stay clean. I've got to stay pure. I've got to stay what, what I call in the blood of Jesus. I got to stand firm and constant stay, constantly stay prayed up. And I fast every day. I only have one meal a day. So that's the battle I'm dealing with, Richard. Um, it's, it's a supernatural battle. David, we'll uh, continue to delve into that battle. We'll take another quick time out. David Hevener, End Times Investigations. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. self-evident. You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we're back with David Hevener, End Times Investigations. There it is, the brand new one. How do we get a copy, David? Uh, yeah, you can uh, text the word chosen to 91999. You can go to davidhevener.tv forward slash order. You can call 844-806-0006. And uh, yeah, that's my mission. That's my ministry. So let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the Hollywood, what you call the Hollywood mind control machine. And I always think back to um, Britney Spears having her very public breakdown. And it it, it was almost as if she was trying to break free of whatever control they had on her uh, uh, <clears throat> because she started to speak about it and, and sort of hint at what was happening, and then she had this complete breakdown. Um, can you maybe take us inside how that, that Hollywood mind control machine works and, and how they control people? Yeah, well, <clears throat> Britney Spears... Um, was very specific in her situation. She she came out of a world of Disney. Uh, Disney is a uh, Luciferian operation within a Luciferian operation. Um, I, I, we probably don't have time to go into it. I, I do talk about it on my shows a lot. Um, she was a product of mind control of Disney, which is more specific than the general Hollywood mind control. That's why you saw her her, um, I guess, reactions or her actions it was very strange, shaving her head, doing all different. Miley Cyrus was a product of that, but she didn't suffer the consequences like Britney Spears, but she did suffer to a certain extent. But when you talk about Hollywood mind control, now let's back up and look at all of Hollywood. You can look at... Uh, um, uh, People uh, like uh, oh Charlie uh, Charlie Sheen 
you know, uh, a lot of people say he went off the deep end. He went crazy. Well, not necessarily. Uh, this this was something I think a bigger force controlling uh, Char Charlie Sheen, uh, and I can go on and on and on. Even with Bill Cosby, if you notice, it was very strange to take out a, a conservative black man who was quote the the king of fatherhood on television, and they took him all the way from that to a pervert. Uh, who went to prison and, uh, and oh, by the way, Bill Cosby's out of prison now because, well, maybe some of those testimonies weren't really testimonies at all. So Richard, this thing goes really deep. Uh, they really take people out and people that do bad things don't necessarily get taken out. They got, they get left in. Right. So for example, um, you know, pedophiles, mass murderers that supposedly take their own lives there's some question as to whether they actually do. And they're what, yeah. recruited for other purposes? By by whom and for what purpose? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and this is in the book. I didn't want to put it in my book because so many people talked about it, wrote about it. Um, but, uh, um, you know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, that, that, that just, that whole thing about, and being in prison and the guards falling asleep and not knowing what's going on and him. I mean, that was like a bad B movie, right? Yeah. If I wrote a script like that, they would throw it out the window. Um, nobody's going to believe it. I still don't believe it. I mean, I don't believe that anyone ever believed it. That's what I don't believe. <laughs> so uh, that thing's, yes, that and a bunch of other situations like the Jeffrey Epstein story. Well, um, you draw a connection between Epstein and, and uh, the Holocaust. Um, mm -hmm. Can you elaborate? Yeah, you know, when you deal with human trafficking, which Epstein definitely was in, and he wasn't the king of it. He was just a, he was just a pawn. Um, you, you have to have people, when you're dealing with these Nazi criminals, which still exist and still walking around, and which come from the Holocaust, you, they, they have to have specimens. They've got to have people to work with. They, they, they have to have human beings, okay? Back in the Holocaust, they had the Jews. That was simple. Now it gets complicated because they don't have a mass group of people that they could just exterminate. So now they've got to go and they've got to go underground and get people. So... Jeffrey Epstein and that whole regime, which he was just a pimple on the butt of a cow, was is a filtering system into not only you know uh, testing. Um, uh, we're going to talk genetic testing, um, uh, actually, uh, even even uh, uh, we, what we call the hive mind. They're, they've got a hive mind now. They're they're now doing testing on, on the human mind um they for sra children for sra uh children to be bought and sold uh in the uh, sex uh, trafficking uh world so that is that is a filter that's a funnel that it went through and like i said he was just a very small little minute operation compared to the big operations and to what end how does all of this uh, the, you know uh, child abduction ritual abuse sacrifice how does that fit into the antichrist system because the antichrist system has to recruit 
Okay, God has soldiers, God has warriors, and so does Satan. And he's building his army, just like God's building his army. So what better way to do that is when you get to the children. They're, they're, and being from psychology, this is a no-brainer. Give me a child for seven years, the first seven years, Richard, and, and I'll, I can make that child whatever I want. And that child will most likely be that the rest of their life, the first seven years, okay? That's why they want the children, because they can get them the first seven years, they program them, then they got them, then this child will go out, grow up, and get other children. So that's why it's called making satanic disciples who make satanic disciples. So where is the church in all of this? Uh, I, I get the sense that, you know, they don't want to talk about this uh, from the pulpit. They're almost embarrassed, you know, by this kind of talk. Yeah. When we say church, let's, let's define that. I think what you're talking about is the church system, right? The church, the buildings, the Sunday morning services and, you know, denominations. Um, the, there's another church, God's true church, which does deal with it. And, and that's what we're doing. But let's go back to the church system. <laughs> they can't deal with it for many reasons. Number one is that in itself is a demonic system, the church system. Okay. Uh, they have built a, 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 a uh, they built a fortress around themselves. Uh, they can't get out. And actually, the church, and I've interviewed more than five or six people that have come out of human trafficking, have been in human trafficking, that tell me that some of their customers, biggest customers, come out of the church system. Uh, that they go into churches and they see clients in the churches. So I'm believing that the church is a big part of this human trafficking. That's one. Number two is they don't want to talk about it because they have donors who donate. And if they talk about the wrong thing that's uncomfortable, they're going to lose those donations. So they got to keep the money coming in. They built this fortress. They built this world that they've got to. It's, a, it's, an, it's an animal that's hungry and they have to continue to feed it. And so they sell their, their soul to feed the animal. You can tell I'm in love with the church system, <laughs> can't you? Why are churches built on graveyards? Or why were they? Well, yeah. Well, originally, um, when churches were built, cathedrals, um, and people don't understand this, that even Christians, uh, you know, necromancy was practiced by the early church, the early Christians. They believed that if they could feed, they, they believed in feeding their ancestors, okay? That if they fed their ancestors, um, there was blessings to that, okay? It goes deeper than that, but there's no need to go de any deeper. Let's just put it this way. They thought they were being blessed. And they would actually run tubes into the ground from the church um, into the tombs, and they would actually pour the liquids, and they would feed the dead with these tubes. That was a very much practice. That was, that was a practice that was rampant uh, back in the early days of the church. Wow. Uh, is, is there a holdover from that? I mean, is that, 
a vestige of the past or is it going on still, maybe metaphorically or literally? Literally, are you kidding? Uh, in Hollywood, uh, I went to uh, houses of major stars that you'd watch in the cinema. Um, they'd fix a plate of food for me, a plate of food for them, and a plate of food for their statue in the living room, you know? Uh, feed their God. Um, uh, there are people still that, you know, grave soaking, laying on graves, summoning spirits in the cemetery. I talk about that in my book. Um, but there are people that actually do still feed the dead. They, they still go into cemeteries and they feed literally. They put food on the graves. The, uh, the statue of their God, who are we talking about? Baal or... You know, uh, I have to be honest with you. Um, when the, this happened twice, the two different people, both were had successful TV series. I, I didn't pay attention to the statue. I just, again, I was sleeping with the enemy. I was around it going, oh my gosh, you know, this is like unbelievable. So, so the answer, I don't know if it was Buddha Baal or uh, Hare Krishna or... Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know, but it was a statue and it was their God. Is that a prerequisite in order to succeed? I mean, at the highest level in Hollywood that you have to, you have to be part of the, uh, whether it's the mind control mis machine or belong to some satanic secret society, like, you know, uh, um, eyes wide shut. I don't think so. Um, I never ran across it. It could be in the very, very higher ups. Um, when someone has amazing talent, uh, they don't have to go into some dark room somewhere and pass some secret test uh, with the Luciferian committee in order to uh, have a hit movie. Um, it doesn't really work that way, Richard. A lot of people think it does. How it works is once the person has success and money, that's when they step in and start working on the person. And they do it through addiction. They do it through perversion. Um, there's a lot of things that come our way. And I was on the small scale of success. I, I was very successful. I was known as a, a very successful indie filmmaker in the 80s and 90s. And just that bit of success, I can tell you, you lose your mind. You, you lose yourself. You lose your soul. Because... No one says no to you. Everyone says yes. And you don't know who's telling you the truth. You don't know who's not. And you start believing this stuff that they're saying. You know, you believe you're almost like a god. I don't care what any of these stars say or, or big-time directors. They may look humble, but <laughs> most of them, a lot of them think they're little gods, you know, because they're told they are. Uh, wave palm leaves, you know. Uh, they can do no wrong. And that's how they get you. That, that's how they get you. I was the uh, child actor. Well, he's still acting. Uh, Corey Feldman was going to rip the lid off of this, you know, the, the child abuse and the sexual abuse and so forth that's rampant in Hollywood. Um, and that really never, to my knowledge, came to fruition, this big expose he was going to do. Do you, do you see that happening at some point? Is somebody going to finally reveal everything that's going on in Hollywood? The underbelly? 
No, the answer is no. And I tell people this, I go, if you see it, chances are that's not what you need to be looking at. It's a diversion because the devil's too smart. He's not going to get caught and he's not going to let you see what he's really up to. Oh, he'll let you see a, uh, uh, a, um, uh, a Harvey Weinstein, you know, do his thing and get thrown in the penitentiary. He'll let you see all that. Um, but while he, while you're watching that, there's something bigger going on over here. You see, see, I tell people what you're seeing is usually an illusion. It's a diversion. That's why I don't focus on this because it's too easy. It's too in the open. You've got, and that's what I do. I look for things that are not so obvious. So the answer is no, he will not be exposed until the man of sin arises and things play out in the Bible. And, and that day of the Lord comes, when Jesus comes back, then he will not only be exposed, uh, he'll be thrown into the lake of fire and obliterated. What things should we be focused on then, in, 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 rather than the obvious diversions, as you say? Well, for me, and, and I have to speak for me because I can't say for everybody, I'm focused on children. Uh, I have a heart for children. Uh, children, to me, are the most abused uh, part of society that exists. They're the helpless. Um, and uh, so I'm focused on that. I don't look at what I think is human trafficking. I look at what probably doesn't look like human trafficking. For instance, there are many, many girls next door, even in high-end neighborhoods, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, they go to school, but they're being trafficked. Nobody knows about it. Um, you say, how did they get away with it? Well, they get away with it because people have this illusion that a human trafficker looks like a guy on the street corner with this, you know, hat on smoking a cigar with a fur jacket. And when these girls are walking the street, it doesn't work that way. Uh, there's human trafficking going on, even in the churches. Uh, it's a big business. This is how they operate. I'm sure, uh, that's right. You were um, involved with, uh, was it Derek Gilbert, uh, the, uh, that documentary? Was that Silent Scream? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, I spoke to Derek about that. Yeah, absolutely harrowing. Mm -hmm. um, leave, us, leave us with some, um, some, some hope, some good news. Uh, David, how do we battle the Antichrist system? Yeah, we battle it uh, only by one way. You got to come to God. There's only one God, it's through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about, you know, this stuff that stinks to high heaven of, uh, you know, uh, tradition and denominations. I'm talking about a true organic relationship with the one and only God. When you stand with God, nothing is going to take you down. When you stand with God, he gives you supernatural vision to see things that most people can't see. And this is how we battle it. Then when we see it, we can use the power God has given in us. You know, um, Richard, Jesus transferred his power to us. The power of God is in us. So that's the hope. There's only one hope. If you don't have God, then uh, you don't have any. Uh, to me, there is not much hope. So have God. You got the power. You got the wisdom. 
you can take out the enemy. That's not only hope, that's exciting, right? Absolutely. End Times Investigations, David Hevener. David, give us all the particulars again, how we get a copy. Yeah, uh, just go to, um, uh, you can go to davidhevener.tv forward slash order. You can uh, text the word chosen to 91999, or you can call 844-806-0006. And we have other things there. We have uh, DVDs. We have uh, T-shirts, Legalize Jesus uh t-shirts uh but but anyway it's it's all a movement folks you know and we got to legalize jesus it's a movement to wake people up in these last days and tell people hey there's something immediate happening you need to pay attention david you got my attention thank you so much for this great meeting you and speaking with you thank you richard god bless you and thank you so much uh for uh, your time a new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 